Welcome to the 438th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with author Melissa Payne, author of the novel Memories in the Drift. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Melissa Payne, author of the new novel Memories in the Drift. Melissa's first novel, The Secret of Lost Stones, has over 2,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. It's good to be here. Great. Well, if someone hasn't heard about your new novel yet, Memories in the Drift, how would you describe the novel? Memories in the Drift is set in a small Alaskan town, and it's a story about resilience and hope, community and family, and ordinary people overcoming seemingly insurmountable circumstances. And so do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Memories in the Drift? Absolutely. I was actually just on the internet one day doing some research and I came across a documentary on a town in Alaska called Whittier. And I was struck by how unique this town was. There are many unique towns in Alaska, I think we all know, but this one really got me. It has an unusual setting. It's along, there's a a two and a half mile tunnel to get there. And it's a one-way tunnel that they share with the train. It closes every night, changes directions every 15 to 30 minutes, and is the only way into town unless you're coming in by boat. And everyone in this town, for the most part, most of the year-round 200 residents live in this uh, 14-story high-rise. So the juxtaposition of this high-rise against this glaciers and the waterfalls and the beautiful wildlife and surroundings was just so stunning to me. But when I was doing my research, I had I listened to this community member being interviewed, and she said, we don't always love each other, we don't always get along, but when something bad happens, we're going to be there to help each other. And that's what stuck, struck me the most, because I thought that was so, such a beautiful sentiment and really reflects what so many communities can be like. And so I wanted to set a story there. And so after that, just, I started to brainstorm, and eventually that's how I came up with a character like Claire who's got profound memory loss. And she must really rely on routines and and devices and things and people to help her get through every day. And this town where this character grew up was a perfect setting because she could remember this town and then be able to live somewhat independently there. And so do you remember the first fiction you ever wrote? I do. Well, like way back, <laughs> I can remember <laughs> my third grade book that was about the lost colony, <laughs> but we <laughs> that never really got picked up. My first one, so I wrote, I started seriously pursuing writing about five, maybe it's six years ago now. And my first book I wrote in its entirety and went through the process of query, querying agents and did not get picked up for that book. So I very much remember that one because I think everyone remembers there. It's probably like your first kiss. You always remember your first kiss. And and first books are can be a sloppy. So my first book was was a great way for me to learn the craft. And each book I feel is a way for me to learn this craft. But yeah, my first book was set in a small Colorado town. You can tell I like small mountain towns and had has a lot of the small town elements as well, a little bit more magical realism in it. And so what prompted you to sit down and start writing that first novel? Had you been writing up to that point or was there something that motivated you to sit down? I think probably like most people who 
fully pursue writing, I've always loved to write. With the advent of email, if you remember those days, <laughs> I used to be the one who would write paragraphs of an email, compose all this to send to my friends and, and then edit it and revise it and send it again. It's always something I've enjoyed. I like to express myself through thoughts. I love the challenge of sitting down and having to answer or think of a story or however it is. But prior to starting that first book, three or four years before that, I had broken my foot. And I had been a busy mom and I had some other jobs I was doing and it made me have to stop. And because I couldn't, I was on a cast and I was not able to do, I started a blog and the blog was more of an Irma Bombeck style of like slice of life, motherhood, marriage, that kind of stuff. But it helped me practice. It helped me get, get back to that, that practice of writing, which writing really is a practice. It is something you have to do and just keep doing in order to continue to learn and get better at it. So that's where it started. And then as the years went, I thought, I want to write a book. And that dream just blossomed into me doing it. And yeah, I've been, I feel very fortunate. I get to be now coming out with my second book and I have a third book coming out next fall. So I'm very happy. And so was that first manuscript from five or six years ago that you queried agents, was that the secret of lost stones? No, Secrets of Lost Stones was my second, second manuscript that I had completed. And so while I was querying, and a lot of writers know this, you hear it, we don't always internalize it. But while I was querying my first book, I started to write the second book, which was Secrets of Lost Stones. And there is something freeing about that. Once you finish that first book, and you're putting it out there, you're doing the work, and you start to write that next one, it does free up the clutter in your head. And So I wrote that next one with some experience behind me, but also just a drive that I knew I needed to keep moving forward if I wanted to see this become a reality. And so with that second book, I then queried that one. And in that one, I was a little bit more laser focused. I knew the process a little bit more and I was a little bit more focused on who I wanted to query and and how I wanted to do it. And so that one, I was able to find my agent within a few months of querying that book. That's great. And what do you think you learned from that first book five or six years ago? And then the second book that you wrote, The Secret of Lost Stones, which was your first novel that was published? Mm -hmm. Patience and (laughs) a lot of patience and the ability to be okay that what I wrote that first time and even the second time in early drafts isn't going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. (laughs) But I learned to take the process apart piece by piece, not get mired down in what can be discouraging, the rejections and the no thank yous and the unenthusiastic replies, not to get mired down in that, but to look at it, the process as a whole, and then take it apart. How can I use what I learned during the Secrets of Lost Stone or during the first book? How can I use what I learned during that process and apply it to my next process? And sometimes having to take the emotion out of it. Now I'm I'm a Jeff, I'm I'm an emotional person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there are times where I don't, I'm not the best at taking emotion out, but it's, I guess I'll harp on this. It is a practice and you have to just keep at it and keep telling yourself here, this is what I want. And I've got to do these steps to get there. So what is your writing process like? Do you outline your novels extensively or is it more of an organic process of seeing where the story leads you? It, It started off as a, I have an idea And I'm going to start throwing those ideas on a piece of paper. And then the characters would develop as I went. 
With each book, though, as much as I love, I would definitely describe myself as more of a pantser, someone who just writes from passion and ideas first without maybe logic. But I think that as I'm growing as an author, I am learning to do both. And I am learning that both have value and both have a place in writing. So I am learning how to bring in more of that plotting and pacing and and looking at some of those elements earlier on in my writing process, as opposed to later going, oh, my character has no arc. How'd that happen? So I'm working. That's definitely one of my work in progresses, but I, I do enjoy it. So I'm curious, do you ever sit down to a blank page and have problems getting started writing for that day? And if so, what do you do when that happens? Oh, sure. Sometimes maybe you're just not feeling it. I I have taught myself um, to just write. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. And I'm sure we've all heard the phrase ugly. There's a lot of that happens. The stuff you don't hope nobody ever sees, but it is a way of getting thoughts onto your paper. And then I don't know if I were an artist, which I'm not, but if I had a piece of clay in front of me, just starting to make shapes might get me to an actual shape. So I guess that's what I think of a blank piece of paper is just start writing and see where it will take you. And then you can refine your process as you go. Well, you mentioned earlier writing as a practice. What other writing advice would you offer for those who are writing their own stories and novels? The patience, the practice, perseverance, and having a willingness, I think, to step away from your work. We can get very emotionally attached as for good reasons to what we are creating, to the characters and the story. But they are characters and stories. So sometimes it is good to take a step back and to look at it with a more objective eye and to see where can I improve, what's weak, and then to also learn how to listen, get people that you trust, join a critique group, get beta readers, people that you know will give you the kind of feedback that we need as writers to take our writing to the next level, to take our storytelling to the next level. And don't be afraid to admit that we have to take our storytelling to the next level. There's no shame in having to revise and edit. And I think sometimes we can be scared of that process and think, oh no, I've screwed up. I've certainly felt that way. 
but it's a piece of just recognizing, no, this is a practice. I really am harping on that idea today, (laughs) but it is a practice and it's something we have to just look at and continue to allow ourselves to evaluate as much as we love these characters. How can we make them better? And how can we make their stories more compelling? You mentioned beta readers. How did you find the beta readers who read your manuscripts? It was an evolution of time and falling backwards into things and going, oh, I should have beta readers. My mom and my husband aren't the best, aren't the most. They may not be telling me the total truth. So I started going to conferences with my first book. When I had that first book done, I went to my first conference and I jumped in and started pitching it to agents with no idea how to pitch. But I met other writers there too. And I think that was probably the most important lesson and, and, and connection I made was to meet other writers. We are a very supportive group. I think we, we do want to see each other succeed. And so we can sometimes be some of the best, give really good feedback And it also helps my process. When I can give somebody else feedback, it helps me to look at my own writing in a more critical light. So conferences were very helpful. And then just connecting to people along the way. And sometimes in those early stages, it is asking friends, but find friends who read a lot or people who don't mind giving you their opinion. Sometimes it can be very hard for people to be honest (laughs) with you. (laughs) And so you have to find the people who will be honest. There are more more traditional paths to finding beta readers that other writers can probably speak to. I know people have formed Facebook groups, putting a call out. I didn't go that path, but I know that there are other paths like that. Sure. And what are some of the conferences that you attended? I've been to the couple of local conferences. One of the bigger ones is Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers here. And it's nice because they have tracks for people of all levels so that you can be a first-time writer or someone in the middle of writing or even someone thinking of writing and attend a conference and come away with connections and education and lots of good ideas. Great. So what fiction or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? I just finished The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, and it is actually a book done in like a poetry format, and it's fantastic. It's It has everything I want, and I, I actually was just blown away by how this author was able to craft this story in these poems that had me rooting for this character and tearing up at times. It's a great book. And where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? You can find me at my website, melissapainauthor.com, or on Instagram at melissapain underscore writes. I'm also on Facebook, and or you can feel free to email me, melissa at melissapainauthor.com. Great. Again, we've been speaking with Melissa Payne, author of the new novel, Memories in the Drift. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Melissa, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Now stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of Memories in the Drift by Melissa Payne, narrated by Karen Peaks, published by Brilliance Audio and available wherever audiobooks are sold. Brilliance Audio presents Memories in the Drift by Melissa Payne Performed by Karen Peaks I am staring at my hands. My face is wet. For a minute the chaos of questions inside my head is a deafening roar that drowns out the rhythm of my heartbeat. I breathe in, I breathe out, slow and controlled, 
letting the facts accumulate until I can put together enough pieces to understand my present situation. I wipe my face dry and sit up straight. First fact. I'm in my apartment, in front of my desk, with a wide window that overlooks the harbor of the Passage Canal. I glance down at my body to find that I am dressed in jeans and my University of Alaska sweatshirt. Also, I'm wearing purple ankle socks. Second fact. I wear purple socks only on Thursday, so it must be a Thursday. The sock thing started when I was a little girl— and I wanted to remember the days so I could keep track of when my father would return from his job as a long-haul trucker. Now it's a habit that comes in handy for a situation like this. Outside, it is not dark but not bright either, which means, in Alaska, that it's either morning or afternoon, and not the dead of winter, when the light never brightens enough to be called day. I check my phone for the time. Bingo. Afternoon. I sit back in my swivel chair and survey my desk. From the looks of it, I was in the middle of recording the earlier part of my day and planning for the rest of it. My forehead wrinkles, and I make a note of what I was doing inside the notebook that lies open on the desk. Something sticks out of my sweatshirt pocket, but when I reach for it, a sensation that stops my hand overwhelms me. I swallow past a stubborn lump and instead turn back to the work at hand. My notes. Third fact, and one that doesn't surprise me. I am well known in my small Alaskan town. Not for any particular accomplishment or feat of strength or intellectual achievements, unless you count the sock thing. I am the woman with no short-term memory from the 14th floor. And I know this because it's written in my notebook just above a bulleted list of to-do items I intend to complete this afternoon. Fortunately for me, the event that took my memory didn't affect my exceptional organizational skills, which helped me sail through undergrad and grad school and now, today, allow me to structure my day with confidence, even when I find myself staring at my hands for no reason. I know this because it's all in my notes and because it's a skill I've honed since I was a little girl. When my mother couldn't leave her bedroom for weeks on end and it was garbage day or laundry day or any day where something needed to get done. But I'm not going to think about my mother right now because those thoughts take me down a rabbit hole where sadness sticks to the walls and hardened globs of old gum that breaks my fingernails when I try to scrape them off. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.